0: Hello and welcome to the Pro Detailer podcast. Today we are in Gillingham at KDS Caltech and we are being joined here by what I can only describe as the dream team of detailing. We have
1: Mr. Mike Phillips. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
2: And Mr. Kelly Harris. Thank you, Bert. We meet so often now it's getting scary, isn't it? I know.
1: It? It's it's
0: it's yeah, we're we're basically becoming friends. Yes, it's, it's that's that's worrying me. Yeah, right. that's that's up my <laughs> friend count to 1. Um, <laughs> But, uh, and as we know, so a little bit of background, Mike Phillips started detailing in the 1970s, uh, and Kelly started in the 1980s. Yes, that's correct. Um and FYI, I was born in the '80s. You were both polishing cars before I. Uh, you mm-hmm. was
2: four when I believe and I did my first sanding and polishing. I think you was about three or four. Yeah, or I wasn't house trained until I was eleven. So, so, so. Mike, <laughs> certainly
1: you wasn't born when Mike was polishing. That's kind of kind of
0: scary. Back
1: when I started, the staples every guy in America had was Turtle Wax, Armor All, and Rain Dance. You know basics you can fix a car with any of the well that's all we had back there I've just...
0: heard of river dance that was from the 90s no, but a bit different. Yeah,
1: river dance <laughs> yeah this is junk just nowadays <laughs> it's kind of junky I'm not trying to put anybody down I'm no right. no
0: don't worry. they're probably too old to see you now yeah um so uh, I thought it would be a lovely idea to um ask you guys to pick three things that you think has changed the industry during your sort of tenure your your service the most um, and so, Mike, why don't you take the lead? Pick something that you think has changed the industry
1: significantly, and briefly explain why and how. Uh, I'm going to start with the ceramic coatings. Okay, okay. Because ceramic coatings did two things. One is um, it 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 gave detailers a way to provide a longer-lasting protection with the with an appearance value that also lasted long. I mean. The price for a detail when you just use a car wax or synthetic sealant was fairly low. Once we got into ceramic Coatings, all of a sudden detours are making pretty good coin nowadays. Mm. So well, in it, America they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so it changed our income levels. So just offering a better product at a higher price.
0: And I suppose that draws in, you know, the higher salary draws in more people and potentially more talent. And, you know, if it's if it's low paid stuff, if you've got yourself a degree or whatever, you're not gonna go and work on a kind of five
2: fifty an hour job. But you know? of course exactly. Don't forget obviously my services is a detailer itself, it's KDS. We've seen a, a much larger uptake of new customers that are interested in a ceramic coating because they now understand the longevity and the durability. So there's been an uptake in just detailing services because now there's ceramic coatings on the market. They can see the benefit.
0: And I have to admit, I'm going to, um, because I know you're a GTECA or you yeah.
2: were a GTECA. Yeah. And um, I'm uh,
0: going to kind of, Basically, they need congratulating on on ceramic coatings because they are responsible, I would say, almost single-handedly for making it um, a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and if anything, so we get called as PVD when we get called up by people who still don't realize we're a trade association, not a natural balloting detailing company. They'll phone up and say, I want my car geotanct. And I sit there and go, okay, that's cool. And they say, yeah, just G-Technic. And it's become eponymous because actually they just want a ceramic coat. Yes. But in their head, G-Technic means ceramic coat. And to get to that eponymous level, though you've got it in Germany. Flex means an angle grinder. So you walk into a shop in Germany and you say, Flex, please. You're going to get yourself an angle grinder, even though Flex is a brand. Um, and I think it is that work. All the advertising they've done. And I've seen you know, the adverts and I've been involved in that world. And I know how much it costs to get a full page and Top Gear magazine display. You're talking yeah. big money. And to be throwing that into it, and it's benefited the industry as a whole. So, yeah, ceramic coatings, totally totally get it. It's a kind of first tangible benefit as well that you can see, is that make your car easier to wash, and it actually is. Yes. Um, cool. Okay, then, Kelly, what do you think? What's the top of your list?
2: I'm going to use the example of when I started as my own business. Obviously, I've been detailing for 30, 31 years. before thought it was known as detailing, but let's go to where my own business started, so I've become a full-time professional detailer earning money would be been about 14 years ago when the internet was still slow but the internet was around and good or bad or lucky literally my first job as KDS Celtic I posted on social media detailing world mm-hmm. forum and then didn't realize how much that was actually massively helping me as a business attract people from the entire country Mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be just local people, word of mouth. It was literally people driving from the full distance of this, of well, England. I mean, do you remember the first Wax Talk? You, literally, people were flocking to you, people you'd never heard of. That that was actually really surreal, because obviously I had no idea what was going to happen, um, because Mike wouldn't rip really realise this. When was it in the UK, just detailing what was almost the only platform back then? But it was the biggest globally, not yeah, even just in the Facebook, UK. Yeah, you know all that sort of YouTube was just getting going. So I had a captive audience and I went to the first ever Waxstock and there was no demos. I was the only person doing a demo and took show cars. It was quite daunting, literally, all this crowd of people following me everywhere. And I'm like, what has just happened? Because I've never met anybody outside of my business before, any customers. And, yeah, they all knew about me and the cars I'd done and told me about their favourite thread I wrote. So that's... I've went in straight in the deep end, really. I hadn't seen a transition from not having internet to now having internet or to social media platforms. So yeah. Well, I always remember at socks numerous wax socks, before we kind of met properly. Um,
0: I in the good old days was a smoker and so I'd quite often be hiding outside round the back having a cheeky one.
2: Um, and I'd almost always come across you, sat on a wall or something, basically hiding. That is actually Mike doesn't know this, is actually correct. It was um because obviously you get there the day before for the trade. Yeah. So I'd pull up and everyone come flocking over and start chatting and asking me. And it'd be random stuff like deniving tools and sanding blocks, you know, really geeky stuff. And I'd be getting a car ready or whatever i was being to do at the time. I think the first year I had a, a panel to be able to prep ready for doing some demos. And it was overwhelming and it was just full on. And then you go to the bar in the evenings and it doesn't stop. Yep. And then you get up the next morning. And none of them are young, pretty women. No, no, no. And then you get up the next morning and you, and then you've then you got the public come in and do the same. At one point, you just have to just empty brain dump. So I go and I literally, he's right, and this is happened loads. I'd go and find the little corner of the building, get a coffee and just stand there so no one could see me to sort of have 10 minutes for my brain to stop. Because people are just asking questions all the time. Were you ever aware of a slightly taller, hairier young man
0: watching you from afar? No, no, uh, not at the same time. My concealment skills haven't been lost. So it's an amazing thing that's changed. And, and the thing is, it's only the world that I've known. I've never, you know, pre-internet for me was, yeah. I, again, I was still messing the
2: carpet. It's a bit different
0: for Mike though, isn't it? This. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike lived through a lot. The invention of electricity, color TV. <laughs> <laughs> the automobile. <laughs> yeah, that too. It was, polishing horses was really hard. Yeah, um, yeah so what, what's your number two?
1: Um, n- in no particular order, I'd I say the introduction of detailing clay. Interesting. That was Because before detailing clay, I know some people may find this hard to believe, but when you had overspray on a car... A lot of times, what they would do is they would sand it off. Okay, now the problem with that is sanding would take off the overspray over spray clay, but it also put scratches in perfectly good paint. And then when you buff the scratches out, you removed more good paint. So sanding would do two bad things to do one good thing mm-hmm. where detailing clay would just do one good thing it would get the contaminants off and with a
0: light marring i mean you can't light really marring, avoid exactly
1: yeah. and I'm, a, I'm i always teach people look if you're going to rub clay or one of these polymerized rubber tools clay mitts clay towels clay pads over the paint you know you should expect that you're going to induce some level of marring it's just the natural but it was, and it, it doesn't really take any skill to use detailing clay. You know, you mold it into a pancake and rub it over the paint and you can get as smooth as glass finish, you know, so, uh, and, but you can't say that about sanding. Not everybody can sand or spray off paint or spray paint off car paint mm-hmm. without screwing it up. So detailing clay enabled detailers to remove above surface contaminants in a very safe way and restore the gloss and prep the paint for the next steps.
0: Yeah, and it does. Also, now I mean, when we talk about the decon process, it's almost always what we mean is tar removal, full out removal, and clay bar, mm-hmm. and that is the thing. And so many home users with their little Dash Sixes and stuff like that, or little you know dual actions, will um, do that process, go over lightly with a very fine polish and, a, and mm-hmm. a finishing pad, and they'll put the wax on. And for them, that's kind of if they get that done in a weekend, that's a, that's a weekend well spent. And I know it because I used to do that sort of thing. That was about the level as I went with Dodo Juice Lime Prime Light and uh, little das Six. Um, Absolutely, I I, 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 can, I,
2: I I can just remember Clay introduced to me, and I started as a business in 2018. Sorry, it's eight. And sorry, s- in my
0: head, I've got I've got the, that scene from the American film where there's a bloke on one of those Clay spinning machines <laughs> that they so, don't like that. And that's so, how I was introduced to Clay. and so there's
2: music. and one of the very early customers come in and said, "Look, hey, I bought this Clay bar. It was at the Good Goodwood Festival of Speed. Paid. I'm not going to say what brand. And well, I can say how much two." Hundred pound holy hell for a clay kit, captive audience, certain American very very flashy brand that wanted to overcharge and it was a new thing. Oh, I know why you're not saying them now. So, yes, so yes, you um, wouldn't last long in prison. No, no, no. So and it, and I'm like, what the hell is this and how much you pay? So it was like I didn't know. Literally 2008, was, I was literally still using thinners, paraffin, whatever, and then sanding or heavy yeah. wall pad to try and get overspray off. I tried it and it was like what the hell it worked amazing and of course then it started going very popular and the price went down and many manufacturers but i don't think clay towels and clay bars are actually that old in this
0: industry they're not i remember the first clay towel that i was using because i've used clay bars for a long time but you've got you know i was heated up in hot water and a molder and then you turn it and then you drop it and you have to go and get another one and life gets difficult whereas the clay mitts they're Mm. so you can do it just literally just wiping over the paintwork and um I think they they mean now that I clay much more often than I used to. Uh,
1: I I did leave something out. Besides sanding, people just use the normal rubbing compound. But again, rubbing compound would remove the overspray or whatever the contaminant would be. But it would also tend, because back then, the the abrasive technology we had back then was very rudimentary. Mm. So rubbing a... You know a conventional rubbing compound over car paint to remove a contaminant would would get the contaminant off, but then it would also put scratches in the paint and take mm-hmm. off paint needlessly same kind of idea with sandpaper, but a lot less aggressive. Probably more people would do that than sanding I just the the idea I was trying to invoke was we didn't have a great way to remove topical defects. Until Clay came along,
0: yeah. After I think when I started, I was
2: I actually used denibbers and stuff like that, which is completely the wrong way. But it does, yeah. The body shop had the sort of razor blades, the plastic razor blades, and you'd literally scrape the surface of the Mm -hmm. paint. And you think, when I look, think back now, think that's just crazy. You'd never Mm -hmm. dream of doing that, but it was your only option.
1: Yeah, Yeah. we call that (laughs) caveman (laughs) technique. There's a lot of (laughs) caveman techniques out there.
2: So Kelly, what's your next? game changer.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay, let's let's stick with the internet because I'm, I didn't know at the time, but when I was posting these articles, threads online, like Mike does, still yeah. does now, what you're doing there you're not completely educating people, but you're giving them information and knowledge and processes, so I didn't realise I was doing that I was actually doing education and obviously now I teach a lot exactly like Mike does, our roles are teachers, so I say before people are sharing their information, and education, that that's been a big game changer. It's effectively training. Yeah, yeah. It's the education, the training that now is available around the world, is really lifting the industry at a rapid rate. I believe to do better work. And you've got it's a kind of a mixed blessing, I find, because there's an awful lot of
0: crap, frankly, out there on on the likes of YouTube and stuff like that. Other video platforms exist. Um, And you get these sort of, you know, it's these uh, life hacks and stuff like that. And some of them are ridiculous. And some of the manufacturers are certain water dispersant that's marginally over 39, their formal advertising is suggesting you can, I, I, I've got to be very careful here because I wouldn't last long in prison either nowadays. Um, but some of, the, some of the suggestions of how useful it is in a car detailing environment are frankly libelous. They're, they're terrible. Uh, and I see this advice going out and I've, I've had it because an uncle came to me and said, um, you know, oh, you can use W, water dispersant on that. And I was like, no, don't. And he was insistent. I had to almost hit him. To, to get him to understand that he was being a fool and that not to believe everything you see on the internet. On the flip side, when you were starting, there was no KDS, there was no, no, no Lake Country, there was no, you know, Mike Phillips out there where you could pay a certain amount of money and you could go and spend a day, a week, a month, or whatever, learning things properly, hands-on training. And actually, if you think about it, every other trade you can go and learn some. If you want to become a Sparky, you can go and learn at, I don't know, Electricians University or whatever, Technical College probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Ditto Brick, I've got a, 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 a kind of a distant relation who's, who's just become a Bricky and he's um, he, tough old time, only 21, gone, gone down the wrong route, but he finally got himself sort of settled and he's, he's gone and done this Bricklayer thing. It's taken, I think, six months and then he's got yeah. another six months paid on, on placement and now he can go and make good money mm. basically putting stones on top of each other. Which I mean, I,
2: I'm not going to boast, but I used to do that as a kid. I was kind of quite good at it. But, but, um, but that that goes onto a, a similar sub subject, though, that you can become a detailer without any training. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's self described. Yeah. Yes, whereas you wouldn't normally be able to be a bricklayer, electrician, plumber, carpenter. With, yeah, yeah. So, so if you took the education away, then we'd be worse. So I think at least. We're not regulated as such what we well, teach, but at least it's a very good education from a lot of experience. That's the next step, isn't it, regulation? And hell, I've been involved in,
0: in looking at kind of qual and an actual qualification, first step, and then regulation is a matter of sort of rallying government. The problem is that we've got war going on in Ukraine, mm. we've got cost-of-living crisis going up, and if I start waving a flag saying, yeah, but cars are getting swirl marks, I would like to know you would understand, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of priorities, yes. it's, it's not quite it's there. It's
1: kind of low on the <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly, and, and you know, think about electricians. If they screw up, people die. If a brickie screws up, people could potentially mm. die. Um, uh, whereas if we mess up, you have to work pretty hard. I mean, it takes about a litre and a half of tar remover, I found out, to kill a full-grown man if they're otherwise healthy. (laughs) Um, Kill them quickly. You know, I I think half a litre probably do it, but you have to wait a couple of days. Um, So it's a matter of push and pull factors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be an issue. And It could even come from, say, insurance companies. If insurance company says, right, we're only going to insure you if you have this qualification, it'll kind of be regulating, yeah. particularly then if one of the tabloids or something picks up on a, uh, you know, a rogue detailer who does £100,000 worth of damage to a car and then runs for the hills. If that kind of goes wide, customers are going to start thinking, hang on, we've got to think about using only guys who are insured. Um, I mean, if one were to engineer a situation carefully, that could mm-hmm. that could be quite beneficial for the industry as a whole, <laughs> or it could go completely peak on and be wrong. Um, but yeah, no, the availability of training, potentially with the leading on to accredited qualification and ultimately regulation. And I know there'll be lots of people listening who think, I don't want to be regulated. But actually, if you are diligent and responsible and you know what you're doing, you do want regulation because it means
2: it'll keep a lot of the crap yeah. out, and it'll generally oh, be good. That's, why, that's what you do for a living. It's your organisation tries to do that's that really that thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're kind of soft regulation. Yeah. It's just sort of
0: yeah. like trying to support and help rather than yeah. boss around. Um, but hey ho, that's one of the things. Okay, Kooky Mike, what's next on your list?
1: Um, I've always been a big fan of talking about abrasive technology. So um, I was around when uh, the. A base coat clear coat paint technology was introduced and everybody in the collision industry had to switch over from shooting single stage lacquers and enamels to base coat clear coats and it's one thing to spray the paint it's another thing to sand it and polish it and back then the, to, in my experience there just wasn't great abrasive technology in any of the compounds or polishes that were out there um, so that's come a long ways and the the, the whole trick with the abrasive technology whether it's a compound a polisher an AIO Great abrasive technology enables, you know, we as detailers to remove defects without leaving them behind at the same time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a compound or a polish that can do that, that's great abrasive technology. And in the, in the old days, you had compounds and polishes that were, for better lack of term, were rocks in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And you could rub them or machine apply them to the paint. It would remove the existing damage. But it would leave its own marring or scratches behind it's like sandpaper yeah. if you
0: you know if you're going to go down to you start at say 1500 or you start at 800 exactly. that leaves its new marks even yeah. if it gets through the old ones and you have to go grade and grade and that's why the polishing systems used to be three or four step
1: it was and, and the whole process was to work your way up to finer and finer stuff so you could finally put a coat of wax on which would fill in yeah. whatever the light marring you left behind was and then that was a good finish and nowadays we've got compounds and polishes out there that, after you've done using them, even the compounds, it looks like you know it's been ceramic coated. I mean, it looks yeah. good.
0: Well, we've got so um, just to add a little bit of, of 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 meat to the bone here, we've got things called smats and things called dats. Yeah. Yes, and dats being diminishing, diminishing abrasive technology, and smats are Kelly points.
2: I actually don't know
1: super micro abrasive yeah. technology. Uh, so I guess there's an article on that.
2: <laughs> I was just going to show off there, but no, but, but the I've, <laughs> I've, I've actually had a discussion the other day with uh, Jay. My yeah. front man said, look, it's something you're going to have to learn the terminology. I said, and he's like, what? I've never heard of it. And this is interesting that we've been using these products for years. So I picked the bottles up and said, look, one's this, one's that. And he's like, do I need to know? I went, well, funny enough, I, sh- if I probably should before going on a podcast. A podcast, yeah. yeah. So it just shows that we are using them and we know how to get the best out of the results. But we don't even know the terminology.
0: Well, the the irony is so I'm an armchair detailer. I don't really do detailing. I read a lot about it. I write a lot about it. I talk to a lot of people who do it. Um, But. I probably know more terminology of course you do. simply because I am yeah. that armchair detailer. And the problem is that in the realms of Facebook, I had somebody come up to me today asking me a technical question. And I was like, well, look, in theory, this is the theory. I don't know if it's true. It could be total bollocks, but it is the theory. And he, he presumed because of the position and stuff that I was a detailer. I was like, you can't, you know, running a not-for-profit trade association, not something a detailer on the whole can do. You've got that. It's the wrong brain. My brain is, is, I'm just an operator. I'm literally just like a photocopier. I'm like an office equipment. I do a job and it's straightforward and simple. Um, Yet you're the one with 200 years worth of experience, or whatever, and, 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 yet and don't uh, know the fancy acronym. No, because
2: I just teach that the compound diminishes down. I do demonstrations of it and how to use it and how to change your method and process and pressure and speed and angles and mm. size of the pad or the pressure of the pad to work with the diminishing abrasive so that you don't leave any defects behind. So I draw a sort of cr- a graph chart showing cut versus time as you're working yeah. and now it's dropping down but I've never knew the terminology. I've just always called it a diminishing compound, really, when it's a diminishing compound. So I mean, the moral of the story is don't trust a man who uses TLAs. (laughs) Um,
0: But uh, the other thing that's interesting, actually, just slightly extending on that, is that we've kind of done full circle. So we've been testing quite a few in in previous mega tests in the magazine, and um, we did a heavy-cut compound test. And all these top manufacturers, you know, we, we asked to vote for our readers and said, right, what? and we gave them a list, I think, of about 120 different heavy cut compounds and said, right, vote for your favorite. Top 10, we got and we went out and bought them. And uh, we asked the manufacturers, some of them we just said, okay, a brand, you know, people would say Menzerna or whatever. And uh, so we would go to the brand and say, look, this is the test, this is criteria, what's the best product and can you send us one? So they did. All of them sent us heavy cut compounds, apart from Angel Wax and Angel Wax sent us a medium-cut compound. And we were working on this Audi, which had uh, UHS paint, so ultra-high-solid yeah, yeah, paint. Absolutely. And um, this medium-cut compound blitzed yeah. all of the others just on this one test. And we're sitting here going, it's taking out the marks quicker and more efficiently than all the rest of it. And actually, we had them sent off to a lab at great expense and had uh, highly microscopic sort of photos taken, microscopes, microscopic as you know that sounds like a disease but you know what i mean yeah. like um people in white coats and shit like that and um got the got the pictures back and we identified that the angel wax one was actually a smat it was a highly developed smat and it was a damn sight more effective on uhs paint than the other ones So we tested it on single stage we tested it on other more conventional paints and um you know the field evened out it was still a perfectly good product but it wasn't quite leagues ahead and we didn't know it was a medium cut originally because they call their compound sort of romantic yeah, names right, yeah. Yeah which is difficult, whereas the Germans say, like, we will use numbers, and we will call it, more- yes. I can't do that, actually, the Germans in the house, but anyway.
2: Um, <laughs> but what you're so, saying is, Mike, obviously, and I, I do, but the abrasive technology has moved on massively, yeah. hasn't it?
0: and yeah. it's not just yeah. so we've gone from, from SMAT yeah. to that, back to SMAT in yeah. certain cases. Yeah.
1: So the way I explain it, though, is um, I see things very black and white when it comes to compounds, polishes, and AIOs, and, mm-hmm. and it's either great or it's junk. That there's really no in between because if you take someone's compound or polish or their AIO and you polish black paint and no matter what your skill, tool or pad if it's always leaving some form of micro marring you can't call that great it's mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's this great it's just it's no to me it's no good so Everything starts with the abrasive technology. It's the first thing that touches the paint. It's what's going to determine the final end results. And you you've always need these great abrasive technology.
0: What's interesting, so what's your take on this? Because if you go to any detailer, or something in this country, uh, go to their unit or even the back of the van, and you will find they will have probably two dozen bottles of compound mm-hmm. or, or abrasive. And uh, some is because I've tried some, they didn't like it, never used it. But a lot of it is you need this range because you'll come across a paint be it you know ceramic layer from mercedes or a single stage paint or a nitro cellulose an old car and actually suddenly you need a different compound and your daily go-to which is great doesn't do the job does that mean that your day to your go-to is uh no longer great i mean that that's, this question is do you need if you're if you were to um build an armory so to speak of of compounds and you had to be able to do every single paint type from boats to classic cars vintage cars um i bet you'd have more than one or two compounds
1: well in and- you struck the nail right on the head. So the hardest thing for a chemist to do is create a compound, a polystyrene. an AO aio that works on the widest spectrums of paints that's yeah. the hardest thing it becomes
0: the jack of all rather than the master of any it's it, it becomes basically a super outback yeah. it's an off-roader it's a it's a soccer mom car it does everything It's well you know race car
1: so that's the challenge so then some companies are better than that than others mm. um i you know i think there's some brands out there that really have great abrasive technology and there's some are just they're buying their same powders from the same <laughs> companies there's just you know, it is what it is. But see, the thing is, the only way you'll ever know is to test it on black paint. Black paint shows everything. So I've met people that say, I just love this. What are you working on? It's a white car. Well, you can't even see the micro marks mm-hmm. leaving behind. I don't know. I've used a bunch of stuff in my life that is it's just, I would never, I would, once I've tested or used it once, I would never use it again. I would never recommend it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, when you look at someone's line of products, you know, Um, It's it's fairly easy for someone to launch a line or an existing company to have a line and have a great tire dressing or a great car wash or a vinyl dressing. Those things are pretty easy to dial in and get right. But anything that's going to scratch the surface—that's where the, the the magic has to come in. You've got to have somebody that really knows what they're doing. No,
0: mm. yeah, I—I th- mean, I give an example. A colleague of mine is—he he does quite a lot of vintage cars where, with original paint, and you've got to be super generous. And he I, uses—I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite. And he—he he uses, I think it's Meg Seven, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is at seven, but it's the one that's no longer sold in Europe because it doesn't meet chemical regs. So he's been stockpiling the stuff.
1: Yeah, so I've written, I've probably got five or six major articles on how to restore antique original paint using Maguire's number seven. Mm-hmm. And it's not abrasive. Yeah, because it's oil, isn't it? Incident. What it really is, is a plant oil. Mm. If you look at the color, it's green. Now, they've changed the formula. So now it's white and um, I talked to the head chemist I'm a good friends with the head chemist over at McGuire still I'm not surprised and <laughs> and, uh, and as soon as I bought a bottle in fact I got an article on this is say goodbye to an old friend or say goodbye to a longtime friend Shit, we did and
0: I think the title was pretty much the same we did that in the magazine with but Ian he was he, yeah. was, he was literally reminiscing and, and he's literally got a cupboard in his in his detailing there yeah. which is just old bottle after old bottle of this I, stuff
1: I have some stuff from the 1930s and the 1940s I got a can of number seven that's a gallon can that's probably from the 1960s mm-hmm. and i still will shake it up pour it out and use it to restore antique paint so what it is is the oil that's in that product has the ability to bring out the full richness of color in the pigments that's the secret plus the oils kind of revive it because well paint is brittle hmm. so you put this massage this oil and you just bring back the color and kind of the flexibility of the life of
2: the paint it's worth noting though this is a very different paint technology to what Modern cars, yes. Um, oh, very. So different. what we're describing here would not have the same theory practice on a new model no. clear. And
0: and in fairness, I tell you what, if we posted on the social networks this is a paint moisturiser, yeah. it's a paint conditioner. Yes. We'd be laughed yes. out of the forum. Exactly. They'd be like, yeah. what the hell, what a load of bollocks. Like, you know, it's like yeah. that argument with um, leather conditioner that yes. seems to bounce one way or the other initially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you moisturise your leather because it's basically yeah. an animal, you know. And then everybody says, no, you've got polyurethane over the top, yes. so so there's no point, it's all a, a, a gimmick. And then you actually see, well, after a year or two, that polyurethane is semi-permeable, so actually there is a benefit of doing it, so keep doing it. And for somebody like me as, as an armchair, I just sit there for God's sake, make your bloody mind up, you know. Mm um but no the current thinking is that leather conditioner is worth doing on leather that is over a year i will keep you updated if that changes on the great interwebs i hope you're enjoying the pro detailer magazine podcast i just want to take a minute to say a massive thank you thank you to all those who ordered the hand wash only hardback book You've printed 3000 expecting them to sell in drips and drabs but lo and behold they're pretty much all sold out so the good news is we're able to do a second print run and that's going to be landing with us at, towards the end of october 2022 and so if you guys haven't got your copy yet or would like to perhaps order some for gifts for other people at christmas dare i say it this early um then they will soon be available to pre-order at www.prodetailermagazine.com uh, Anyway, thanks again, and back to the podcast. Cool. So, Kelly, your last uh, suggestion for things that have really changed the world of so,
2: detail. So, I mean, you've been you've witnessed this recently with uh, the PVD group coming down for sort of a Pro Plus, Advanced Plus training. Mm-hmm. So pro plus I, is something different yeah it's, it's yeah. a bit of a it's almost like a kelly hack that's not that n- not you know special now i think a lot of people know about it and i know this wouldn't work with your old-fashioned traditional da so what i mean by that as i'm going to talk about da's as a revolutionary product mm-hmm. is your old 8 mil Porter cables your mcguire's machines once they change that Orbit or throw, as some people call it, to sort of fifteen mil and then twenty one, so the large throw or the, the long throw, throw is the bigfoot effect. Yeah. yeah, So these these larger orbit machines, essentially the circle doubles. So if it's just do it really crudely, it's nearly close. Eight mil goes to sixteen mil. But everything is fifteen mil. So mm-hmm. you can pretty much double the size of the orbit. If every single orbit is the same amount between the two, so orbits per minute, you've got twice the stroke. That's right. That twice the size circle is twice the cut. So that. Before then, I literally would use a DA for the really finicky black paint, like Mike's talking about, because the abrasive technology was poorer back then. You could never finish down with a rotary with a black paint with a rotary or a big ball pad. You can make holograms. Yeah. Then you tried to use your eight mil orbit, and it was like it sucked basically because it didn't have enough cut to remove the buffer lines. So if you change to a medium cut pad and medium cut compound, it then left the micro because the compounds weren't good, which we just talked about. So it was like it was a three-step process. So the moment a large orbit machine come out, there was enough cutting ability. If you, with at the same time pad technology and the abrasive technology was moving on, you could get a very good cut levels, really serious cut levels with a large throw orbit machine with certain pads and compounds. But also you can then diminish down quickly, or let's say refine quickly. So. If I try to do a one stepper with a wall panel rotary, forget it on dark colours. Mm. Because you can now do a one stepper and pull out good defects but leave a good gloss. Whereas it would be very difficult to do on an eight mil port cable, you know, and mm. when you use using their machines, you had rock hard foams, really like rock, rocks in a bottle. as might cause it really chalky, dry compounds that were horrible to buff off. So this has all come at the same similar time, but I'm I, I do not know which come first, the sort of chicken and egg, but the larger orbit then set the way, bridged the path, I believe. Mm. And then it's like the pad technology and the abrasive technology then started to be adapted to the larger orbit machines. So it feels like for me, and Mike might, I mean, he's been in this industry longer and been with brands, did the abrasive and foam technology. From what I know from Lake Country, we made pads to suit the larger orbit machines. Because when we was first putting normal pads for an 8mm on a large orbit machine, they collapsed. Mm. They they just disintegrated. Could, it, could it. I remember yeah. that in the early days. Yeah. So so, it kind so I of think exploded from the inside out. Really, they're having a large orbit machine is then set a new pathway for the abrasives to change, and for foam to change. And and I think also there was an element of the
0: old dogs sort of struggling a little bit because remember the story and we've heard it many times but you were uh, in a bar in America just shooting some pool or something and a bloke comes up and pokes you I'm, and you never told me who it was but I'm hoping it's not mine otherwise we're in trouble uh, pokes you there and he goes Rotary or DA yeah this is a
2: it's and, an and it's very quickly in,
0: yeah and in, you turn around I'm, I'm just going to summarize because I, I can do it quicker than you that's what she said um, and uh, turn around and said Rotary or DA you said DA he went god damn boy yep. you ain't even a proper detail I'm presuming he's from Texas <laughs> um, and and <laughs> Um, but it's close enough, uh, that you aren't even a proper detailer because you don't use rotary.
2: It was a random thing, Mike, for someone that I know well when I was was at a Renny Door detailers meet. And I'm just standing with my staff, and I got a real hard prod, and I looked and saw it was. And instead of just introduced himself, he went, answer this. One machine only, rotary or DA. And I just went, thinking, what machine can I do most with? DA and he literally it was the worst. He went, "You're not a proper Detailer" and walked off. Hmm.
1: So I get that question too, and here's how I answer it. I says, "Although that's a legitimate question, it's a hypothetical question that will never exist, but I would choose a rotary and a DA." Yeah. And and brush those people off, you know. Okay. I, just, I learned a long time ago to nip, you'll it's a waste of time to argue with people. Don't try to change people's minds. Let them let them do whatever they want to do.
0: Well, uh, you've kind of answered the question here. So what we do traditionally, Mike, at the end of <laughs> these podcasts is we do 10-question, uh, quick-fire questions, and they're not very quick because I usually gob off and we just have, get into an argument. Kelly's really done them, so we're going to be focusing on yourself. And one of the questions is, uh, uh, Rotary or DA? So you've basically said both to that. i going to take both. You're <laughs> going to take both. Fair dues, <laughs> fair yeah, dues.
1: But, but uh, Mike's allowed
2: to do this? He, yeah. He's that celebrity. He's allowed,
1: yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's well, kind of a big deal. Kelly. If, Pipe I had, down. if I had to choose just two tools, it'd be rotary and an eight millimeter DA because then I can machine sand with it. And mm-hmm. I can also do z- a zillion other things with it. So I can do everything with those two tools. I can't do everything with just one of them.
0: Okay, well, that's a fair answer. So I'm going to bat on with these other quick fire questions. What is your current car?
1: Oh, God, that's embarrassing. It's, a, it's uh, an Altima, isn't it? Uh, no, no, it's, a, uh, it's an Infinity QX50. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the wife kind of liked it. Me, I'm a traditional uh, four wheel drive monster truck guy. Yeah. The problem is, is we she talked me into moving to this condo that doesn't allow trucks because she kept saying, "Oh, it's easy living. We don't oh, okay. got to do any maintenance, no lawn knowing no care But with an infinity
0: is it worth living? I mean, that's where you got to ask. If you don't have a big block <laughs> in your life, what is the point of life? Well,
1: now we've come to the realization that we do not like condo living. The housing market in America is so jacked up. So we're waiting for. Hopefully, cross our fingers prices come down so we can sell high right now, which is great. We can't buy low, so mm-hmm. we're kind of in between. But we're just going to wait until the next presidential election is over, and then make a move. Fair enough. And then I'm going to get another big monster truck. And my favorites are uh, classic 70s from the 19 late 60s, the mid 70s, and. 44 inch boggers, one ton running gear, and big block Chevys.
0: That's that's the best answer. Well, apart from, apart from the, the Infinity rubbish, which is yeah. just a Nissan underneath, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, a Datsun. But I got
1: to, it is a nice car. Yeah. yeah. Like the air conditioned seats. And, you know, yeah. It's got a lot of, I know. I, I'm trying to <laughs> sell you on this, and I it's not working. No,
0: no, so. it's just, you're just going downhill. No, stick to big blocks and lifted suspension. <laughs> that's the way forward. So, um, what is your dream car? Money, no object. A uh, Batmobile,
1: 1966 Batmobile. That's pretty wacky. Yeah. That's pretty wacky. It is.
0: Yeah. Um, blimey. Okay. Well, well I, I'd each, probably put mine
1: th- on uh, straight axles and 44-inch boggers. Though. <laughs> so, it'd be the four-wheel drive version of Batman's Batmobile.
0: So, just to translate, when he says boggers, he's talking about MTs. So, proper self-cleaning tractor tires, basically. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, okay. So, uh, now this is going to require looking back into the mists of time. What was the first car you ever detailed for money? It didn't have to be a lot of money.
1: Oh, um, a Mazda six twenty six. That's
0: I liked it six two six.
1: It was a nice car. Yeah,
0: it's like the ZDOS six and the ZDOS yeah. nine. I quite like those too like,
1: What the hell happened those cars? And they were everywhere all the one time. Well,
0: in in the states they were popular. Yeah. Over here they kind of bummed out somewhat. It yeah. was in the days when the Ford Monday was popular.
1: Yeah, then after that it was a seventy three green Volkswagen. So the guy okay. that owned the Volkswagen saw me do the Mazda 626, and then he hired me to do his Volkswagen. So I actually, like,
0: you, you went downhill originally. Though, I liked the Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: there's not a single flat panel on a Volkswagen. Though.
0: No, but, no, it's all so, iron oxide nowadays, yeah. anyway. Um, and, okay, so yeah. this is a slightly personal question, Mike. How many buckets
1: do you like to use when you're washing a car? One.
0: use one bucket. Now, I know your system, but the people listening might not. So do you want to tell them about your many, many cloths?
1: Yeah, so um, I used to be the fan of the three-bucket system. So one has fresh water, one has soapy water, and then one for wheels and tires. Yeah. So I guess two buckets because I still use a dedicated bucket for my brushes for wheels and tires. But for washing a car, um, I think the safest way for the average person to wash the car is put about 12 clean microfiber towels in a bucket of soapy water and then wash one panel starting at the top working your way down. And that way you're never cross-contaminating the dirt from one panel to the next panel by using a single wash mitt
0: and and so you said microfiber towels and earlier you did a demonstration do you mean microfiber towels or do you mean like a wash mitt like a chenille mitt well you mitt? could
1: do either one but when you look at the, the they're going to do the same thing mm-hmm. um and to me i really like the uh, microfiber chenille wash mitts but if i look at buying 12 of those at about 10 or 15 bucks a pop versus uh 10 microfiber 12 microfiber towels that say anywhere from four to five dollars for one of those a good one it's a lot cheaper to use the towels. It's a lot faster to wash them and dry them and use them over and over again. Plus, I can use them for other things. You
0: should. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. But if you come over here, you can get noodle mitts. I can get noodle mitts for about three quid twenty a pop, and pretty good noodle mitts at work yeah. on Western hands. I bought a batch of I think two thousand noodle mitts many years ago when yeah. in the old caskin days, and they came in and they were basically. You could. It was kind of two fingers or three at a stretch, mm-hmm. and and they was made for little tiny Eastern hands. And yeah, but it's gonna be so-
1: harder to shove those all in a bucket of water. So I start out yeah. just throwing them all in the bucket of water, and then start washing the car. Gotcha. No,
0: well that is it's good and original right. Either stuff.
1: Either and- way. Yeah. Either
0: way. Either way, you're a two bucket man at, my, at, most, now at with, most, with yes. many, many cloths. Yeah. Uh, Rotary da, we have done that. Uh, now, this is an interesting question, and I know you're going to have a long, long answer to this. and it's going to have loads of caveats and conditions, because nobody can give a straight answer. Okay. Coating or wax? I see you're struggling. Yeah, you, what, you wanna, you see, everybody else just wants to blurt it out. But, when you asked me this question, it wasn't long for me. No, it wasn't. No. No. If
1: I had to pick just one, I'd go with wax. Good. You know why? Because most of the cars I work on are garage queens. They don't yep. need a coating.
0: And it's old. Sometimes older paint and the wax suits them more than the coating. Where you're going to be using solvents, that could be Mm. difficult with old paint.
1: But also, I try to match the LSP, the last step product, to the owner. What can they do?
0: So So they need a wax. Yeah.
1: So if I put a ceramic coating on someone's car, and then they got an issue where they got to buff it, now they got to buff it, they got to strip it, they got to put the coating. It's beyond their skill level. If 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 I put a wax on there, most most of the people I would work for are capable of firing up a Porter Cable, taking the swirls and scratch out and then slapping on a wax see that's mm-hmm. really simple so sometimes it's better just to keep things simple than to make them more complicated than they have to be i think it's a very valid answer and, yeah. and i've i've done this and i know you guys have done this too where you're taking a machine polish to put wax in a car and then said what do you think's on here and everyone goes oh that's a coating it's a wax
0: <laughs> well i i have a bit of a confession to make i was always a wax man i know i look exceptionally hairy and unwaxed but i was <laughs> definitely a wax man um however i got uh General Vod, which is an old Audi A8 from the 90s, uh, got him coated because um, I was going to sell him and then decided against it somehow. Well, nobody would buy him, actually. Um, and, um, funnily enough, Kelly's going to snigger at that. Um, but, so he's got this gotcha coating on, which is made by, well, we know it's made by, it's good. Um, and, by God... It's life is so much easier when it comes yeah. to, to washing it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. i really enjoying coating lifestyle.
1: I, I, and I do too. And my wife loves the fact that I keep her car coated. So, uh, if it gets some dirt over, you know, like when they come through, I love clean. how the Datsun's
0: her car. What's that? Is it the Datsun we're talking about here? The, the Infinity. No, 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 oh, no. she's got a separate car. Yeah, she got her own car. Yeah, she has a so, QX30. Okay, so you've got no excuse for the Infinity. I mean, I appreciate you can't have a, a mudder, but, <laughs> but that's, but I thought it was like a shared vehicle, in which case, fair enough. No.
1: No. So, but oh, so, shame, shame. so every week the, the lawn care people come by, so they cut the lawn and they blow. And so the cars get covered with dirt. And if she knows it's going to rain, she'll, instead of parking into the cover, she'll park it outside and the hard rain will just completely clean off So I'm completely down with that. But if you go back to something that's just kept in the garage, mm. not a daily driver, 66 GTO, mm-hmm you know, a 70, 72 Mustang Mach 1, you know, the kind of muscle cars and stuff that I really enjoy working on, mm. even like Ferraris and stuff. I mean, yeah. if they're, they're just not daily drivers, they will look just fine and, and hold up just fine with just a normal conventional wax. And some of the waxes that are out there in are really nice. Mm. Yeah, paint, the hybrid paint, stuff. It's it's it's, yeah. yeah,
0: they last really well. And they've got, ultimately they say, oh, it's a wax and it's sort of, they feel like it's natural paste. Is it bollocks? There's a little bit of Carnuba yeah, in there, exactly. but a lot of it is just polymers and silazanes and stuff like that, which is yeah. the same tech they're using in, in other stuff.
1: But it's it's really geared towards instead of what's I gear it towards what's best for the owner. Yeah, that's how I look at it. What's going to be best for them?
0: No, that makes absolute sense. Um, so now we have some more quickfire questions: Ferrari or Porsche? Oh, Ferrari. Okay. Uh, there wasn't a wrong answer to that, by the way, but there is a wrong answer to the next question. Okay. Okay, and that's, you know, there'll be penalties. Subaru or Mitsubishi? Subaru. Good, Good man, well oh, done. Come on. If I was the emperor Rome, I'd be doing this with my thumb. Um, ooh, this is going to be a contentious one. Um, uh, Kelly, turn your, well, close your ears, turn your earring aid off. Um, Flex or Rupes?
2: Oh, no, Here's guys, what I believe. Oh, I believe oh,
1: no, everybody funny. should get the tool that they like the best, and if you spend oh, enough Mr. time behind Diplomat. any tool, you can make a dance on paint. So I'm, yeah. I'm a flex guy. I like the eight millimeter gear driven tools and uh, I love their cordless rotary, their new pixie. You know, I wrote a book for flex. I wrote a book for Rupes. So I'm an equal opportunity exploiter. And I think hmm. we can all get the job done with whatever tool we have, as long as we learn how to become good with that tool.
0: Okay. So flex. Um <laughs> <laughs> and final question and i think i know the answer to this as well a sunday drive or a sunday detail you have a sunday to yourself you've done church you've done the family commitments you've done everything that you need to do on sunday and you've got the afternoon to yourself ain't got no wife or kids moaning and groaning you've, you know locked them in a the cupboard or something and it's just you and your car do you a sit around washing it or b hoon it down the road a uh, driving,
1: yeah yeah gotta 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 enjoy it
0: the best answer we had actually so far on this was john hole who said no first you go out and drive it and then you come back and detail it there you go um and then we had somebody else who actually said it the other way round.
2: he said you clean it and then you go out and drive it and we we're like, "But then it's going to be dirty again but you know can you remember why I, I think i actually just said detail it sorry I don't think you did, so, you know? did I? I no, I don't know. I think you
0: said it was oh. like my day job. What do I do, want to do that yeah, on a Sunday remember.
1: for? Yeah. So, for me, once I got all my other duties done, I'd go to the pool and have a margarita,
2: <laughs> which I was waiting to come because I've d- I've had this all weekend and I'm like, you get, <laughs> you get. So, you're trying to get you into a pool with a margarita? Well, he's invited me over there, but yeah, yeah
0: I've been invited just- over repeatedly, but no actual air tickets provided. <laughs> That's the difficulty. I'm sitting there thinking it's a long swim and I'm not a good swimmer <laughs> like you. I'm, I just drown with style. <laughs> um that's like swimming it is like swimming. give me a tank and i'm fine i just can't get my head above i
1: can't run but i can fall down fast it's kind of like (laughs) running yeah it's not flying it's It's gliding with styles Sloppy, but (laughs) i
0: stole it off toy story from many many years ago anyway anyhow that just leaves me to say thank you very much not only for uh coming in on this podcast when we are all absolute shattered we've all had the plague basically one of us bought the plague in. i'm not looking at anybody in particular mike and um it's it's a kind of a stuff comes out of both ends at the same time sort of plague
1: hey I got it at Waxstock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you probably did. In fairness. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, but thank you for spreading it around myself and Simon and And Kelly. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Right. Um, I've got to go sit on the M25 for three hours. And plane.
2: Yeah. You feel, feel sorry for Mike that he's got to get up about three thirty in the morning, three o'clock. Yeah, something yeah. like
0: that.
1: Our plane is at eight thirty. So and
0: you're back to Miami, and then <laughs> I was talking to Yancy about this. He says he always puts you in a different part of the aeroplane from him? <laughs> 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 it's just like yeah, I send him to the front. I like, say so in the back. Right. Um, so anyway uh, thank you very much and uh, well hopefully we can do this again at some point in the future